All right, good morning, everyone. If you'll please stand with us. Promise I have in you. 
today we are here to worship Jesus Christ and shout to the Lord the praises so do him and so we are so thankful that you are here as part of our worship service today Northside Baptist Church especially if you are a guest of ours and if you are a guest we'd love to know who you are and know how we can minister to you there's a portion of your bulletin that uh, we'd love for you to fill out tear it off and place it in the offering plate to not make you feel like you're the only one tearing one our home folks are going to put prayer requests in there right this is yes <laughs> This is yes. Yeah. And so uh, there's also a place you can put your uh, prayer requests on there, place that in the offering, uh, in the offering plate, or hand it to a minister, and we'll love to pray for you. Um, but I'm excited about today. I'm excited about uh, Jesus Christ as he is the risen Savior and King. I'm excited about worshiping him and what he has in store for the future of Northside Baptist Church. Uh, but right now, right now, I want you to take this time and find somebody and shake their hand and let them know that you are excited to be in the house of God this morning as well.
God, we just thank you as we sing this morning for your endless love, dear God. It just pours out after us. You chase after us, dear God, and you don't give up on us. When we fail you, when we sin, when we uh, stray, dear God, when we have our backs turned to you, dear God, you're still there running towards us like the prodigal father, dear God, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. You may be saved. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the opportunity this day to come out and to worship you. Thank you for the rains of, of this week, Lord. Just pray that you would uh, be with those that are unable to be with us this morning, Lord. Pray that you would watch over us and lead and guide us this week. May you bless these tithes and offerings for the furthering of your kingdom. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
right, children, you want to join me up here? Or even if you don't, come on. Here we go, here we go. All right. Having a good day today? Me too. Are, are you having a good day? Good, good. I'm glad. Today is the day the Lord has made, right? All right. So look, um, what is this? A piece of paper. And it's not a trick like Mr. Daniel has. This is just a piece of paper came right out of the, the printer. It's just a piece of paper. Anybody want to check and make sure it's a piece of paper? Do you believe it's just a regular sheet of paper? You, do, you, you, you trust me? Could you talk to the youth about that? All right. So this is just, this is just a piece of paper, okay? But um, do you know what this is? Anybody got any guesses? A hole puncher? It's not quite a hole puncher. Anybody else got a guess? Just tell me. It's not a stapler. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I think it goes by several different names. I think you could call it a stamp. I think you could call it an embosser. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that you get to be somebody's boss, but it, uh, it, has, it has this... I don't know what it's made out of, maybe glass, some type of marble or something that's etched in here. But what happens is I can take this paper. I'm, I'm going to need some help, so i got to hold this microphone because somebody hold this paper for me. All right, right there. Hold it real still right there. And if I put this embosser right here and I squeeze down, and I squeeze down good and tight, it's not going to shoot. It's not going to make a loud noise or anything. And you do like that right there, boom. Now, is there something on that paper? What do you see? What Can you read it at all? What does it say? from the library of the U.S. Congress. No, it doesn't say that. It says, it says, from the library of B.J. Cobb, and then it's got three initials right there. You, you might want to guess what those initials are? What? Uh, well, close. It's B.J.C. And so this just a little embosser right here, and it's uh, another word that you might call this is a seal. Did everybody get a chance to feel how that just touch that and feel, can, can you feel it there it, it, you can feel that there's a little difference in that paper right did you get a chance to touch it right there you can pass it around and just kind of so that that seal is there now here's something that's important about that seal um i can't i can't i, I can't smash that paper and take that seal out it's there it's done now this this piece of paper is useless to anybody that wants to print something okay because i just stuck my seal right here now um, I can just tell you, Miss Miss Lindsay got got this for me whenever uh, I graduated with my master's degree, and uh, she it was just something that I've put on a lot of my books that I have, uh, and some people have borrowed those books, and I think they looked in the front and said, "Where does this book come from?" I've had it for a year, and um, and it's got my stamp on the inside, right, Paul? Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh. But here's the important part about the seal. Now listen, I put this seal on here, and that means, what, what really that, that means is it belongs to me. I've put my seal on it, and, and this is mine, okay? So that's what, that's what that's all about. But listen to this verse of Scripture. Listen, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul is writing, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says that you were sealed in him, that's Jesus, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So listen. 
this is what I want to talk to you about. Just like when I put my seal on this paper or if I put it on the front cover of a book, that's mine. And you, and, and it, you can't really take that seal away. When the Holy Spirit comes to us, he seals us. And the Holy Spirit is, is, is in us and he works in us. And that's the promise that we have when we come to Jesus Christ, when we give our life to, to, to Jesus and he saves us, we are sealed. We are, listen, we are his. We are his. He says, you're mine. I put my seal on you and I'll keep you. I'll keep you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for placing that seal on our lives when we come to saving faith and knowledge of who you are. Lord, thankful that, thankful that I'm yours. And that's my prayer for everyone in this place today, from the youngest to the oldest, is that we can know that we are yours, that you've placed your seal on us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand once again. There's victory in Jesus. Everyone sing it. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life Thank you. 
So you've been praying for a long time. You've been praying. We've been praying about this day. You've been fasting. I hope you've been fasting. You can look at me and tell I've been feasting a little more than I've been fasting. Um, but uh, it's it's my honor to introduce to you here in just a, just a few minutes, uh, Aaron Hornsby. So uh, I feel like we can we can say his name now publicly. It. Uh, uh, but Aaron and his wife Ryan and their their two boys uh, Landon and Malachi and I think Malachi's feeling a little under the weather today, right? So he's not able to be here with us. But um, so we'll be praying for him as well. But uh, Aaron's gonna preach for us here. No, he's he's gonna preach for Jesus here in just a few minutes. And um, and so we'll we will we will hear from him and and we'll have uh, going to a business meeting at the end of the service. Uh, and I don't want to delay this too long, but I just want you to um, still be in a, a, an attitude of prayer and turning your hearts toward heaven, uh, even right now. Um, and so uh, let's just continue to worship, continue to worship the Lord. And I want to ask uh, Aaron, if he would, to come on up and, and bring us a message that, the, that God has given him. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be with you. I feel like my family's kind of dropping like flies. We started with four, and then last night there was three, and then there was two when we came to Sunday school. And on the way, I told Landon, if I go down, you're preaching. He said, uh-oh. So uh, it's good to be here. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, and I know we just had you be seated, but I'm going to have you stand back up here in just a second, but I'll give you a, a moment to turn there. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. These verses that I'm going to preach from, as I shared last night, these are my life verses. Uh, so we'll spend about the first 10 minutes in the text, and then the remainder of our time, I just kind of sharing from my heart a little bit. Um, but the entire time, we're going to keep the focus where it needs to be, and that's on Jesus Christ. So Colossians chapter 1, if you'll please stand in honor of the reading of God's holy and inspired, authoritative, sufficient word. The word of the Lord says through the Apostle Paul, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you so grateful, so thankful, Lord, for everything that we have sung about so far this morning, everything that we have talked about, it all points us to who we are in Christ. Jesus, you are our only hope. And so, Father, over the next 30 to 35 minutes, if when these people leave, they leave thinking of Aaron, Lord, then I fail. But if they leave their hearts stirred, their affections drawn to Jesus Christ in worship, then, Lord, the objective this morning will have been met. Father, as I, as I seek to pray every week, give me the, the necessary power as I preach, the appropriate affections. May this word, Lord, bring salvation to the lost, hope to your people, and, uh, and, and Lord, just glory to your name. 
most of all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Time Magazine every year releases like the Time Person of the Year. Uh, in 2013, they released their top 100 in their estimation, most significant people. Now, not most popular, most significant people to ever live on the earth. I'm not going to give you the top 100. I'm going to give you the top 10. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, nine, Alexander the Great. Number eight, Aristotle. Number seven, Adolf Hitler. Number six, George Washington. Number five, Abraham Lincoln. Number four, William Shakespeare. Number three, Muhammad. Number two, Napoleon. And number one, any wild guesses as to who it might be? Jesus. Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I did not need a secular magazine to tell me that Jesus is the most significant person to ever live. Because that's what the scripture says. Philippians 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of Jesus. Beautiful, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. And in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul says, Him, Him we proclaim. So who's the Him? Well, if you go up to one verse, verse 27, it tells us who that is. It says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hymn that we are to proclaim is Jesus Christ. And what does Paul say we are to do with Jesus? We proclaim him. We herald him. We preach him. We declare the name of Jesus. This word uh, preach was used of a messenger who would go into town and announce something. Right? Understand, this was before the printing press. This was before extra, extra, read all about it. This was before you could tweet it and share it. Right? But this is before that. So you would announce if you had news to share. We are to announce the name of Jesus. And he says, look at this, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone. Those words are important there. We are to warn other people. Church, that means we are to warn unbelievers of the consequences of their rejecting Jesus Christ. What awaits those who reject Jesus is eternity in hell. We have to warn them of that. But notice he also says we teach them, right? We teach them what? In all wisdom, that is we teach the entire counsel, the whole truth of God's word. Why? Why does Paul give his life to this? Well, look what he says there in verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. But before that, he says, we may present everyone mature in Christ. So he's toiling to present everyone, what? Mature in Christ. What Paul is interested here, interested in here, and I've heard it mentioned several times this weekend, is he's not just interested in converts. He's not only interested in people who come, give their life to Jesus, and we say, okay, now you're here, that's good. He wants disciples. He wants them to be mature in their walk with Christ, full-grown Christians. And he exhausts himself to this means. For this I toil, for this I labor to the point of exhaustion. Why? Why Jesus? 
Why does Paul give his life to make much of the name of Jesus? Why is it the desire of my heart and I hope your heart to pour ourselves out for the name of Jesus? I'm glad you asked that. So Colossians chapter 1, go up to verse 13. Listen to why it's Jesus and nothing or no one else. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins comes only through Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. That means Jesus Christ is God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Why Jesus? Because he's your creator. He creates in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and, look at this, for him. Why do you exist? It's for the glory of Jesus Christ. You were created for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Look at this. That in everything. Now, I like interaction. So it's okay if you amen, hallelujah, somebody wooed while we were worshiping. You can woo. I like that. And sometimes I'll have you repeat words. So it says that in everything. So say that word everything with me. Everything. Everything. That in everything he might be preeminent. That Jesus Christ might be first, top, supreme, the end. This is all about Jesus. He is preeminent. Jesus, right, even says in John 5, 23, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So when we make much of the name of Jesus, we are exalting God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. Jesus Christ is preeminent. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that Jesus is supreme? That he is better than anything and everyone? Do you believe that this morning with all of your heart that Jesus is better, better than my wife as much as I love her, better than my family, better than my health, better than my job? He's better than all of that. And are you trusting that this morning? See, Jesus Christ desires to be the center of your life. He is worthy of being the center of our lives. He is worthy of being the goal of our lives. He is better. So here's, here's what I want to do over the next 20 plus minutes or so. Is I just want to share with you my heart. And if you, and if the Lord leads here in just a little bit, you vote yes to call me as your next senior pastor. Three things that I will continually remind myself of first. And then call you to as well. This is my heart. And it is all based upon him we proclaim. And it's all based upon Christ being the center of everything we do. So number one, if you're taking notes, it's the centrality of Christ in our life. The centrality of Christ in our individual lives. So what does Paul say? He says, him, Jesus, we proclaim. Are you doing that in your life? Are you right now, wherever you are, proclaiming Jesus to everyone, everywhere, through your actions and your words? We are a people, if you think about it, who are constantly announcing things. So uh, Ryan and I, we got married in Winchester, Kentucky, a small town outside of Lexington, Kentucky. And we put our engagement announcement and our wedding announcement in the newspaper. We have now creative ways of announcing I'm having a boy or a girl, or multiple 
boys and girls, however you may have. Right? We have ways of announcing this. We get on Facebook and we share random things like I'm eating Lucky Charms for breakfast. Like we announce to the world. We declare our allegiance to our sports teams. Last night was the first time in my life that I was secretly rooting for Kentucky to lose to Georgia because I didn't want to stand up here the other way around. Um, if, you didn't know I'm a, if you didn't know I'm a Kentucky fan, originally from Kentucky, we just, I just filled you in on that, right? So we, we declare our allegiances, right? We wear the hoodies, and I'm looking forward to being able to wear hoodies again, maybe, if the Lord leads here, right? And so we declare our allegiance, but do we, with the same fervency and same passion, declare our allegiance to Jesus Christ? Corinthians 4, 5 says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So let me just ask you some diagnostic questions this morning. Who's the center of your life? What does your life revolve around right now, on this date, 2019? What are you living for right now, at this moment? Let me ask you this question. Are you willing right now to give up your sin? That sin that maybe no one, including your spouse, knows of. But you know Jesus died for it. He died to give you, as we sang, victory. Death was arrested. Are you at this moment willing to say, I'm done, Jesus. I'm giving you this sin. I don't want to live in it any longer. You say, well, I don't have a lot of sin. So let me ask you this question. We'll just step on your toes this way. Are you willing to give up your opinions? Christ. If your opinion is not based upon the Word of God, maybe I should stop here before I meddle a little too much and you decide no, but if your opinion is not based upon the Word of God, it might be a good opinion, but if it is not God's Word, then it doesn't matter what you and I think. And so if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, are you willing to say, Jesus, I thought this was true, but I realize it's not I'm willing to give it up. Let me maybe talk to some of our, our young folks for a minute. Are you willing to give up your dreams, your goal, your plan for Jesus? Like you had it all figured out, all mapped out in your head. This is what the Lord's going to do in my life. I'm doing this, and Jesus shows up, not in a burning bush, but through his word, through a song, through a, uh, somebody in your life, and you realize, yeah, God's plan for me is no longer A, it's B. Can you say, all right, God, I'm in. I'll follow you. Because it's about you, Jesus, and not me. Are you willing to give up your dreams? Are you willing to give up your life for Jesus Christ? Here's what I think has happened um, to some extent in our cultural Christianity. I think what we have done with Jesus, so many Christians, is we treat Jesus as simply an add-on to our life. Just an add-on. So my son, Landon, uh, who's 13 years old, one of his favorite places to go is Outback. And so when I go to Outback, sometimes I'll get their cheeseburger, and uh, I get a side of fries because it comes with one side. I get fries, and I get a side of ranch to dip my fries in. Don't judge me. I also dip, I, thank you. I also dip my fries in Wendy's Frosties. Anybody else do that? Thank you. All right. So you can't judge just me. So, um, right, I get a, a cheeseburger, fries, but I love their salad with ranch dressing. So I add the salad because it's going to make my already good meal better. That's how we treat Jesus. So many people think, I've got a good life. 
I've got my wife and my kids and a job and my dream house with a white picket fence, and I've got everything I want. It's a good life, but I grew up in church. I heard about God. Jesus will make it better, so I'm going to add Jesus to my life. That is not what the gospel says, church. Your life apart from Jesus is not good. You have nothing apart from Jesus. Jesus isn't going to make it better. He's everything. You have nothing, and apart from him, you die and go to hell. Jesus must be the center of your life, not just an add-on. He doesn't want to be an afterthought. He wants to be your thought. He doesn't want a small corner of your life. He wants to be the center. He's not Aladdin. He's not a genie in a lamp that grants you three wishes. He's the Son of God who is coming again to judge the living and the dead. He's also the living God, living in you the hope of glory. Paul says here. He is preeminent. He is the bread of life, the resurrection and the life. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God that was slain. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the creator, the sustainer. He is the head of the church. He's my savior, my deliverer, my rescue. Rescuer, he is Lord of lords, king of kings, and I exist to proclaim him. Somebody amen. A clap. That'll work. Right? That's why we exist. Do you know that Jesus? Do you know him? Today, ultimately, isn't about whether you call me to be a pastor of this church. Today is about do you know Jesus? You can call me as the pastor, and if you leave here and don't know Jesus, nothing else matters. I want you to know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? It is the center of your life. Number two, the centrality of Christ in the church. What's Paul say here? him we proclaim he doesn't say the name of paul i proclaim he doesn't say first baptist church of Colossae or first baptist first presbyterian church of Colossae. though denominations didn't exist but you you get the point he's not proclaiming the name of the church jesus christ is to be lord of your life yes and amen but he is also to be lord of his church now let me just be honest and personal with you for a moment and if you were, you were here last night this is, this is how I preach. So here's been the temptation for me all week long. Ryan and I absolutely love, love the area. We have fallen in love with the people we've already met. Uh, Noonan, we didn't want to see, like the hospital. She raved about the hospital. Like, we've, we, we love the area. We love the church. I thought I was going to lose my voice worshiping with the praise team this morning love it so here's the temptation all week long is for me to preach in such a way as to impress each and every single one of you it's for me to preach in such a way that when I'm done you're like yeah man we got to call that guy like no's not even an option that is a temptation and maybe you're tempted to think man does this guy always preach with this much passion yes I do this, this is not a show I'm going to preach a little bit longer than normal this morning so if time limit is a concern for you I don't usually preach this long just to give you a heads up right but the temptation has been to impress you but hear me if you call me to be the next senior pastor of Northside Baptist Church please hear me by God's grace this will never be about Aaron Hornsby there will never be a staff meeting a deacons meeting a church council meeting in which it's about me it will never be about me and I don't believe it's ever been about B.J. Cobb. And it will never be about B.J. going forward. 
And it'll never be about the pastor search committee, though let me tell you, they have represented you, and more importantly, Jesus, extremely well. And you ought to be proud and thankful of that. But it will never be, never be about me. And so though I am tempted to preach to impress you, I exist for simply the glory of God and His will only. And so I pray that as you vote, you will vote accordingly to that. What is the will of God? Not what do you want, not what does His family want, what is the will of God? Let me ask you a question. We think about the church. Why do you think so many people despise and hate the church? Like, I believe some of it is because many churches still, not all, unfortunately, but many churches still preach on sin, and we still preach on Jesus, and a lost world wants nothing to do with that. And if you call me to be your senior pastor, I will preach sin in Jesus just like I'm doing right now. That won't change. But why do people, a lot of people my age and older, because younger generations, they didn't grow up in the church, but why do so many people who grew up in the church just despise and disdain the church? I think part of the reason why, if we're honest, is because they have experience in the church. They have sat in our worship services They've seen us, and I mean by us, I mean just the church in general. They've seen us fight. They've seen us split. And we're not talking about Northside, a church plant. We're talking about churches that split and didn't have churches because they got upset over the color of the carpet or the paint or the music or whatever it may be. They've sat in our business meetings, in our worship services, and sometimes felt cold and lifeless. Do these people really believe what they say they believe? They've attended our special events and left. Nobody shook their hand. Nobody welcomed them. Nobody hugged on them. They came in alone and they left alone. And for many of them, if we're honest, what they have seen in the church of Jesus Christ, the churches of Jesus Christ, is no different than what they may see at the checkout line of Walmart or at a baseball game, if you've ever been there. They've seen a bunch of selfish people who don't really seem to like each other that alone them. So how do we change that? How do we change that perception? You know how we change that perception? When every single one of us realizes that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. That's how that changes. That Jesus is the one who rules and reigns. And what that makes us, and what I love about the gospel, many things, what I love about that is that if Jesus Christ is the head, the older brother, you and I are one large family. And I recognize you know each other. And I'm going to step in to this family like the long-lost uncle that nobody's seen. Right? I'm going to have to come in and get to know you, right? We're a family. I've just met many of you for the first time, and yet you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. We have that in common. We're a family. But you know what we are? Sometimes we're a large, messy, stinking family. Warts and all. Like, I've got all kinds of warts and issues in my own life. We all do. But we come together nevertheless. Nevertheless, in spite of all of our differences, and through faith in the name of Jesus, we, we put those differences and those preferences aside because we want to see God's church and His kingdom built for the glory of the name of Jesus. I thought about this a couple years ago, and I never really thought about it before. Have you ever given much thought to how little we really have in common. Like, let's think about each individual church, each individual church represented by different believers in Christ, how little we have in common outside of Jesus. 
So even this morning, in this room, some of you are married. Some of you are single. Some of you are divorced. Some of you are widowed. We don't have all that in common. Some of you are young. Some of us, let's just say, are getting older. Right? We got the young and, and the older. Some of us grew up in Kentucky. Some of you, like Chris, have lived in Noonan, Georgia your whole life. Some of you have lived in other countries. You've seen the world. Where I live in Florida, we have FSU fans, Florida fans, and many Kentucky fans because we have many snowbirds who come from Kentucky. From what I've been able to gather in my couple days here, you got Georgia fans and Georgia Tech fans and Bama fans and Auburn fans, and I saw an Ohio State hat and a Mississippi State shirt, and you call me, you're getting four Kentucky fans, right? And yet we set aside all of that, though we have those differences. Some of us have graduated college. Some masters or doctorates degrees some of you didn't finish high school some of us have kids some of you have many kids some of you have never had kids some of you send your kids to private school some public school some homeschool some of you were raised by both parents for some of you your mom and dad left you for some of you you were raised by grandparents for some of you like our son Malachi you came out of a foster home and you were adopted into your forever family we don't have that in common some of you grew up in church some of you didn't some of you can fix anything some of you can break anything some of you have struggled with drugs and alcohol and maybe are still struggling with it some of us never have some of you read the bible 10 times some of you have read it once some of you when i said turn to colossians had to use the table of contents and i think that's awesome I'm just glad you're willing to open up the Word of God and see what it has to say. Look, we come every time you walk in that door. You come, I come, with different past experiences and different preferences. We have very little in common, but in Christ we are one, and we have one Lord, and I am not Him, and you are not Him. His name is Jesus, amen? He is the Lord. He's Lord of the church. And once we start loving each other the way Jesus wants us to, then I believe a lost world will take notice and be interested in what the Lord our God is doing in our midst. Jesus Christ said he came to seek and save the lost. Church, that hasn't changed. Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Northside, that hasn't changed. Jesus still delivers the captives, still heals the brokenhearted, still rescues the broken. Jesus still saves the lost. He is still seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding right now at this moment for you. None of that has changed. Jesus Christ is still coming again, amen? None of that has changed. So then what changes? What changes? Here's what changes. We stop living for the glory of God. We stop proclaiming his name. And what we begin to do is we begin to elevate the name on the church sign. We begin to elevate the name of the pastor. We elevate the names of people on staff. We elevate the names of people in the pews. I think the statistic is every year like 10,000 churches die and have to close their doors. On Northside Baptist Church, we don't want that, do we? I don't believe that's what God's will or plan is for us because what I've seen from you already is you love Jesus. And as long as we keep loving Jesus, man, God's going to do awesome things. So hear me, if you call me to be the senior pastor of Northside Baptist Church, I will, to the best of my ability, depending only upon the Spirit of God, to live in such a way then none of you can ever say, this is about that man. May it never be about me. May it always be about Jesus. Third, the centrality of Christ in our mission. 
our mission. Our mission is simple, church. We all have the same marching orders, which is to proclaim the name of Jesus. This was the mission of the early church because it was the mission of Jesus Christ. Hear me, every single one of you, whether you are currently working or you are retired or you are in school, your job is to live on mission for Jesus Christ everywhere you go. So I have a brother who is three years younger than me. His name is Justin. He's a worship pastor uh, in a church out in McKinney, Texas. Extremely gifted uh, he and his wife, both so talented. Uh, she actually got to sing recently at the Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, in New York City. Uh, phenomenal experience. And then I have a younger sister who is 10 years younger than me. So she just turned 30. I'm about to be 40 at the end of the month. So a couple weeks ago, I sent her a message. And I'm going to share what I said to give you context, but I'm mainly reading this so you can hear what my sister said. I said, happy birthday to the best little sister a big brother could have. I remember that day like it was yesterday. Now you're 30 and I'm about to be 40. We're getting old. Ha ha. Love you more than you will ever know. I have no idea what it's like to be a younger sibling. But I imagine one of the things you really want is to make your older siblings proud. Well, this older brother is so proud of his younger sister. To which she responded, you just made me cry. Which is not surprising because us Hornsby's, we cry. Don't we, Landon? Thank, yeah. Thank you so much, Bubby. It's been a joy to get to have you as an older brother. And here's the part I wanted to share with you. I've always wanted to make you all proud, and at times even more so because you both are pastors. Listen to her heart here. I used to feel insecure about not going into the ministry like you all have, but I've since realized that what I do is a ministry, and every day I can show Christ to whomever. To that, I say amen and amen. My sister is a nurse. My sister, on a daily basis and on a weekly basis, can impact more people for Jesus Christ than I ever can as a pastor because she's around lost people more than I am. So hear me. If you have bought into the mentality that God can only use pastors, only use the younger people, only use the people who've been to seminary, that is a lie from Satan. God wants to use you where you are planted for his glory so as many people as possible can come to know Jesus Christ. So many people think that coming to Jesus means our life will be safe, will be healthy, will be wealthy. Nowhere is that promised in Scripture. Study the disciples of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts. They suffer greatly for the name of Jesus. Church, our lives are short. You and I need to make them count. We make them count not by living for ourselves, but by living for Jesus Christ and proclaiming the glory of his name and the grace that comes only through faith in him. So a couple years ago, I learned about a woman that I had never heard of before. Her name was Karen Watson. Anybody recognize the name Karen Watson? Most of you are like me. You didn't know who that was. Karen Watson is a Southern Baptist, was a Southern Baptist missionary to Iraq. Before Karen left for the mission field, she had written a letter to her pastor. She said, Pastor, you are only to open this letter if while serving Jesus Christ in Iraq, I die. On March 15, 2004, Karen Watson died serving Jesus Christ in Iraq. Her pastor opened that letter, and this is what he read. Dear Pastor Phil, 
Pastor Roger. You should only be opening this in the event of death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place. I was called to Him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. She said these four words. His glory, my reward. His glory, my reward. Church, in just a couple moments, you're going to vote to call me to be the next senior pastor of Northside Baptist Church. Before you do that, please know what you're going to be getting. You're going to get an imperfect man, but a willing man. An imperfect man of God who doesn't have this all figured out, doesn't know all the answers to every question you may have. But I'm willing to learn. And what I want, the deepest desire of my heart, is for every single person to say, man, he loves Jesus. And I want to love Jesus more because of how much he loves Jesus. This is all about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. But before you vote, I want you to know you're here for a reason. This church sits in this location, and I believe that reason is Jesus Christ, to proclaim his name. His glory is our reward. So maybe, maybe as an individual, maybe you've gotten away from that. Maybe in your own life, it's become about sports, or it's become about your job, or it's become about a financial need, or it's become about a health need that has consumed you. Maybe you've gotten away from just trusting and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe, it could be you've gotten away from that in the church. I know the last year plus has been difficult for everyone here. I can't begin to imagine what that was like. So, so maybe you're still hurting through that. And, and maybe, in, in a way, it's kind of taken your focus off of Christ. This morning, I just want to call you back to saying, Lord, everything happens for a reason, for a purpose, and I just want to be renewed. I want to rededicate my life. I want to be refocused upon Christ. Listen, it's not too late for you to start proclaiming the name of Jesus again. It's not too late for you to confess your sinfulness. It's not too late for you to say, His glory is my reward. It's not too late for you to give your life to Jesus. It's not too late right now for you to say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ, save me rescue me. It's not too late to cry out and take hold of Jesus. It's not too late for you to start living on mission wherever God has placed you. So my prayer, my challenge to you this morning is to come. Come in just a moment. BJ is going to be here at the front. We're going to sing my favorite hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And maybe my favorite line in all of hymnody. Sit. I just, it just went. I knew that was going to happen. Oh, um, the sin, oh my, the sin on the list is glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So maybe this morning you need to have your sin covered, all of your sin covered through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can come and give your life to him. It's not too late, and it is not too late for you to start living on mission. So come, come this morning, give your life to Jesus. Come, ask him to be the center of your life. Come this morning and pray. My family and I, we're going we're gonna to be over here. We're going to be in prayer. Maybe you want to come to the altar and just pray for the church. Or maybe there's somebody on your heart or your mind you just want to pray for. Just come and pray.
and say, God, your glory is my reward. Let's pray. Father God, I love that you are a God who plans all things out from the very beginning of time, before the foundation of the world. God, before the foundation of the world, you knew that on this Sunday, October 20th, 2019, Northside Baptist Church and the Hornsby family, our paths would cross. And you've been preparing this church and my family for this. And Lord, we just plead right now that you would make it so clear to all of us what is the will of God the Father for our lives. But God, before we get there, maybe so needs to give their life to you Jesus maybe there's a sin they need to confess maybe there's a sin they need to repent of maybe they just need to come and pray for someone who is just burdening their heart so God before we get to the matter of business do business with us in our hearts Lord we pray and may each and every one of us be able to declare the words of these songs it is well with my soul. It's in Jesus' name we pray.